0: Uh, If you had a historical kick on your bingo squares for the 2021 football season for your Detroit Lions, uh, you can officially mark that off. Wow. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, Us Lions fans, we've been through a lot. Been through a lot. We've seen a lot. We've, We've gone through quite a bit. And it feels after all of these years all of these years of not making, you know, and, and not winning a playoff game, not playing meaningful football down the stretch, all of these years of that. It feels like we're, we're pretty seasoned. We're like a nice, a cast iron skillet, We're pretty seasoned. We've seen a lot of stuff. We've experienced a lot and we've seen, I don't know. I would have told you before today, almost countless ways to lose. I feel like we've covered the whole gamut. Uh, Well, Justin Tucker's here to say I could probably find one more way to do it. Sixty-six yards off the crossbar, badonkadonk, through the uprights. Game over. Now here's this was a tale of two halves for this team. All right, the first half this team was anemic. They were, I mean, you know, defensively, I thought they played decently. Uh, you know, they were fortunate on a couple of big-time drop passes by the Baltimore Ravens. think that halftime score could have been inflated, at least by a touchdown. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, the offense was just nowhere to be found in that first half. I, uh, they, they were nowhere. But you go down, halftime, 10-0. You feel at least like, okay, we've at least got a shot. We're not out of this one. Uh, You know, uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't completely roasted us to oblivion here. We're, We're in this game. So the Lions go ahead and score 17 points in the second half. They go down the field late in the fourth quarter late in the fourth quarter. Uh and Detroit kicks a a 35-yard field goal. And here's the problem. And a- and I think that they from a clock management standpoint did this the right way. They didn't want to throw the football, right? Because heaven forbid you don't catch it, clock stops. Baltimore able to save a timeout. Baltimore had two timeouts at this point in in this drive. Detroit started with the ball at their own 21. And so they drive the field heavy on DeAndre Swift. They get him down inside the red zone. To the Baltimore 13. They lose a yard back to the seventeen. Timeout Detroit, Santos 35 yarder, good. They go up seventeen to sixteen. And at this point, you're thinking, all right, Lions going to win this thing. They're going to get their first dub on the year. They'll go one and two on the season, and away we go. Unfortunately for Detroit, that wasn't the case. And uh, seven plays later, um, Lamar Jackson deep to Sammy Watkins. Uh, and that went for 36 yards, put him in Detroit territory to 48. Lamar Jackson, 66 yards across the crossbar, bouncing up through the uprights and in NFL Record holder now, Justin Tucker, with a 66-yard field goal, and the Lions lose. They're winless.
1: Hey, Chris, did you see the graphic they put up before the kick where he had about, hit... About touchdowns in the red zone? The uh, Tucker had hit 49 field goals yes, um, in the fourth quarter dating back to 2016, and I said, wow, he ain't going to get to 50. I was wrong.
0: <laughs> I mean, he, here's the thing. I, I think that that last... Offensive possession for Detroit is what killed them. I, I feel the same way as I do about basketball, especially in college basketball, especially in the tourney. You got to make your you got to make free throws. If you don't make your free throws, you get beat. Tie, you get beat in college basketball in the tourney. In the NFL, field goals get you beat. Field goals will get you beat. And in this case here, instead of the Lions going up by one. They could have been up by six could have forced Baltimore to find the end zone instead of just scrambling for the, you know, the, 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 the outer echelons of where Justin Tucker's leg could put this thing. So unfortunately you get to the red zone again, you come up empty, you don't get into the end zone. You got to settle for a field goal. And this is what can happen. 66 yards. It ain't ever happened before. So, you know, I don't want to I don't want to oversell this uh, too hard, but you you don't want to give you want to give the uh, you want to you want to present the hardest road possible for in this case the Ravens to go ahead and beat you, and that would have been to get them in the end zone. And unfortunately for Detroit, they had to settle for a field goal. I think to me, I, and I know there was a lot of talk about uh, in, in that last drive for Baltimore on that last play, uh, the play clock had expired. They should have blown uh, a delay of game there. and The referees didn't. They missed it. And I understand that, and I understand the frustration of that because that was a missed call. But at the same time, you shouldn't have even really been in that situation. If you would have scored a touchdown, you'd have been in a much better spot. But unfortunately, you know, and, and I'm somebody of the belief is get yourself in the opportunity to win the game. The Lions were in, they had the opportunity to win the game you know I, I I try not to play the referee card unless it's really egregious which I know some of you are out there saying yeah this was pretty egregious but I just feel like at the end of the day they had the they had the lead they had the opportunity to win the game defensively they probably I mean I'm not a huge prevent guy I don't love to go into a prevent um but Lamar Jackson made a play just floated into a soft spot in the in the defensive zone and away we go Look, if you want to weigh in on this, love to hear from you, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. That's the number for you to call. We'll take your text, too, at that same number. But unfortunately, it was a a tough loss for the Lions today. We've all all felt it. It took me several minutes to pick my jaw up off the floor. Jason, I don't know what your thoughts were on it, but it was... You know, I'm thinking 66 yards. Jeez, that's that's a that's a kick. Well, it's a big time. Kick.
1: You know, they show the camera view front, you know, they face the kicker, you know, and, and it bounced yep. and it looked like it bounced back onto the field to play. And yep. I said, wow, I go that day. And then, you know, they showed her on the other side and I go, you have got, just I just said, you've got to be kidding me you know and you just feel for Dan Campbell you you're thinking the guy's got his first win it's it's a huge uh, you know they're a huge underdog but yep ugh.
0: yeah and, and I'll tell you I know the exact cuz you're you're looking at it from the, the the camera is basically uh from the stand side of the of the field looking through the uprights right so you're but, getting kind of the, the you're getting the lions perspective the lions are are on defense so Justin Tucker's kicking it at the camera. And so when it when it took that hop up off the crossbar, I was kind of waiting to see uh not only the reaction of the folks uh, of the people at Ford Field, but I wanted to see where it, like you know, there's a protective netting back there. So I wanted to see if it was going to hit the netting or if it was going to bounce off the field. I was looking for some other indication for what the ball was doing in that moment, because it was, you know, based on the on the angle that we're looking at it on TV. It's hard to tell. And so when I as soon as I saw the, the ripple of the net, I had the ice. Jason, I'm not kidding. I said the same thing. You've got to be kidding me.
1: Yeah, because the you ball the ball didn't didn't hit the the crossbar and just you know hit back away. It it bounced up. It bounced, which normally it, at that distance it's just going to yeah. clang off of it and claim off the front and and not be good. But but when they showed the replay, I did notice you know some of the fans' reaction and there was a, there was a guy and he threw his arms up in the air and he was all happy and then he kind of did the two hands up in the air onto his head.
0: Yep. Yep. <laughs> and that sums it up. <laughs> absolutely crazy. All right. We'll talk more lions on the other side of the break. Also, uh, unfortunately, uh it, we weren't able to be with you yesterday because our Michigan State pregame here on WJR, which of course always uh well done by Steve Courtney and company. Uh, but uh we got to talk a little Michigan and Michigan State. We'll do that coming up as well because I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna be the I told you so guy. I don't wanna be that person. But I kind of told you so. We'll talk about that coming up. Right here on Sports Wrap, Chris Renwick as we continue here this evening on WJR. Don't go anywhere. I will tell you too. Specifically along the defensive line, uh, late in that game, thought they did really well. Especially in that last drive, they they were they were they they weren't giving uh Lamar Jackson a, a comfortable pocket to throw from. Had a couple of sacks. Uh it, it was It was kind of an oppressive job from that front and those pass rushers. So you just got to put it together. I mean, you got to put it, you got to put a 60-minute game together. You got to put all four quarters together. You can't, you can't take off the first half of the game. And I'm sure that's a message that Dan Campbell will be relaying. But you got, you got to, you got to find a way to play an entire football game because that really was a tale of two halves. Um, all right, so because of our Michigan State pregame last night, we weren't able to be with you. Uh, Michigan played at 3.30 versus Rutgers. Michigan State, 7 o'clock at home uh, against Nebraska. Now, now, let's get this right off the top, all right, because I don't want to make this of like a who played a harder team. It, it's not that, all right. Under Greg Schiano, Rutgers is a much improved football team. They are a different football team. They're a different program. All right, this is a a a program now that won't. They're not going to win yet. They're not going to win a ton of games, but they they will not be an easy out anymore, or at least right now, because they're going to get better under Greg Schiano. So, all right. So so understand that Rutgers is not a good program. They're not, they're not, they're not there yet. Um, But they're, they're not the worst. All right. They're not what they were three years ago. Now, same for Nebraska. Nebraska has been down the last couple of years. Scott Frost has done quite frankly, a terrible job at, at his alma mater. Uh, He just has not met expectations. What does that sound like? Does that sound like somebody in the state? Hasn't met expectations at his alma mater. Coming from UCF, uh, where, where they were really, you know, he had them rolling. That's a different product to the Big Ten, which is obviously something he's learned. Now, Nebraska had a really rough start to the beginning of the year, but they made up for it last week, almost beat Oklahoma on the road, and then they Michigan State. So Nebraska, as bad as they've been maybe the last couple of seasons, maybe early on this year, getting beat by Illinois was rough to start the year. They're an improved football team. They will not be an easy out. They will not be your doormat. Nebraska's a, a, a pretty decent, middle-of-the-road, Big Ten football team. I, I actually find uh, Nebraska and, and Rutgers relatively comparable. Now, here's the deal. I've been telling you I had a lot of questions about these two teams through the first three games of the, of the year. With Michigan, the Ronnie Bell injury, who's stepping up? Right? And we've seen Henning, we've seen uh Johnson, we've seen some of these guys step up. But they, they don't they're not the same level of production as Ronnie Bell. Uh in terms of the running game, running game's been pretty good. Blake Coram's been your all time uh what was it? Uh, he's got the he's number one in the country in all purpose yards. That's nice against you know, relatively inferior talent. Um, well, that got kind of stymied a little bit. They didn't have as much success on the ground. And then certainly throwing the ball, Cade McNamara didn't look great. He he said it after the game. I got to do a better job at throwing the football. I got to do a better job at putting our team in better positions uh, to to score points. I mean, at times, they looked anemic on offense. So Michigan has issues. Defensively, they answered the bell a little bit, especially in that second half. Uh Because Rutgers was trying to make a push, and defensively, Michigan kind of stepped up. So the Wolverines escape with the win. They move up to number 14 in the AP rankings. They're 4-0. and Now, for Michigan State, uh Jason, how much time do I have here? Do I have a couple of minutes? All right, let me get yeah, a couple got of minutes. Yeah, you about five minutes. Yeah. Michigan State. Michigan State is in a very similar situation as Michigan, all right? Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this up just a little bit because, to me, Michigan State has looked a better all around than what Michigan has looked like. I feel like we're at least getting to see a little more Michigan State. I think Michigan has, like, opened up the playbook yet. Like, I think they're still keeping a lot of things under wraps. Michigan State I don't feel that way. I feel like we're seeing a lot. We're seeing, you know flea flickers and you know a, a bunch of crazy things like that i feel like we're, we're they're, they're showing us the hand for michigan state i feel like last night was a bit of a step back i feel like thorn there were some some issues there he got hit in the head i don't know if he was concussed i don't know he just after that hit where they were looking at targeting early in that game uh he didn't look real right after that. So I don't know if Peyton Thorne was, was hurt. I don't know if he was seeing stars. I don't know what it was. That's just speculation by me. But he didn't look real crisp after that hit. Uh, offensively, in that second half, uh, that was, yikes, not good, to say the least. And I know that the Spartans want to, you know, and 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 Mel Tucker wants to have the woodshed Michigan there. You ain't there yet, I can tell you that. Uh still got some ways to go on that front. But offensively, they they had some issues. Defensively, they stepped up. Uh, and, and Adrian Martinez was doing his best he could do to get that thing going, and it took a, a punt return. That's something they haven't done in, in a decade at Michigan State. Returned a punt for a touchdown, which sent that thing to overtime. It took that to send it to overtime. And then you get to overtime, you intercept Adrian Martinez, you almost return it for a touchdown, but then you go ahead and kick the field goal and win the game. Uh, you know, if I'm a Spartan, you got to be careful, all right? I told you last week you should feel good about this team after Miami. You should feel you, re, you still should. But, you know, this is one of the ebbs and flows of the season where I don't you know. They, that was a, a bit of a struggle in that second half. And, and while Michigan State's the defense stepped up, um, they were relatively fortunate to come out of Spartan Stadium with a W. So Michigan State also moving up in the rankings; they sit at number 17. So you know, again, I, I you, t- you talk about Reed, uh, you, you talk about I mean, heck, even Kenny Walker, it, he got kind of shut down last night. He had that almost 25-yard run for a touchdown in overtime, but that was really it for Kenny Walker. I think once you get into some of these better teams, they're going to be able to nullify Kenny Walker. So in terms of what's on the the docket here for these two teams, Michigan State's got a Western Kentucky team that's going to throw the football. They throw the football a lot. They'll spread you out, and they're going to try to, to rack up you know, 550 yards through the air. That's their game. So Michigan State's secondary is going to be tested. See if that front can get any pressure. See if they can get any blitzes home. But that's what's on the docket for Michigan State. For Michigan, uh, they're going on the road for the first time this year. We don't know what kind of road team this is going to be. What kind of what kind of vibe they're going to have. But now you go against a a Wisconsin team that I don't even, you know, it, you look at that Notre Dame game. I I know things got out of hand. Notre Dame beat them by a million. But there was a kick return for a touchdown and two pick sixes. That's how Notre Dame scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. That Wisconsin defense is legit. Offensively, they're they're the struggle bus, all aboard the struggle bus. But defensively, they're legit. So, again, I don't know that I'm feeling very comfortable about either of these teams right now. I think Michigan state will win next week but it it could be a shootout. And for Michigan, ah, Madison's a tough place to play. Jump around one of the best traditions in college basketball or college football in my mind, tough place to play. Rock is crowd, it's loud, a uh, hostile environment. So I you know, it's going to be it's going to be a tough week for both these schools. So obviously something we'll keep an eye on. All right, coming up on the other side Uh, we'll do a little, how about we do a little tiger talk on the other side? We'll update you on some of the scores going around in the NFL. A lot to do. Oh, and then the Ryder Cup. Oh my goodness. The Ryder Cup. I love me some Ryder Cup. We're going to talk Ryder Cup. Also, uh, as we continue to roll on here on WJR Sports Wrap, Chris Renwick. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in a moment. Uh, all right. So, you know, the Tigers have won 13 of their last 20. Uh, They only have what seven, eight games left. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games left. Uh, They go Chicago, uh, a a triple with Minnesota, and then a a a last uh, at uh, a last part. Well, they go they on Monday. They're home. That's their last home game. Then they're on the road. Three in Minnesota. Three in Chicago. But they won thirteen of their last twenty. This team. Is seventy five and eighty. They're third in the Central at, at points in the year, especially post All Star break. There, I mean, there there was discussions like, "Oh, Detroit is the hottest team in baseball. The Tigers are vying for some sort of postseason spot, be it a wild card, which is w- where they would have ended up." But at the end, they're not going to make the postseason. We, I, I think most people knew they weren't going to make the postseason. But this team, I think, is kind of legit. They're kind of for real. And yep, they have injuries to their pitching staff, including Daniel or ex, ex, including um, Boyd uh, and and a couple of other guys that they've got to get right. But now you're going to head into the off season. And the Tigers have indicated, including Al Avila, that that the the rebuild is over. Now they're going to start working their way up, and they're going to start spending money. Now, I think their most glaring need is at shortstop. And, of course, now that uh, A.J. Hinch is here, he has a lot of ties to the Houston Astros, and, and in particular, Carlos Correa, who's on the market. Uh, and probably going to receive a a, a a sizable contract. So with shortstop being probably one of the biggest positions of need, Carlos Correa is on the table. You pull the trigger. Maybe it's a lot of money you're going to have to spend on a shortstop for a team that's, you know, maybe a fringe, uh, postseason, you know, ball club next year. It's really hard to justify, in my mind, spending that kind of dough on Carlos Correa. But with that being said, they also need, you know, a a bat. I'd like to see a power hitter in this lineup. I'd like to see, you know, a a starting pitcher uh, that has kind of been there, done that. Somebody who you can kind of count on. Somebody who you, you know, you give the ball to on the bump and you're thinking, all right, I'm excited that You know, not only get to go see this guy, but I think he's going to pitch well. So I think this is going to be an interesting offseason for what the Tigers want to do. Do they want, are are they for real? You know, you got A.J. Hinch going out there saying, look, we want free agents. If they want to be here, great. They'll come. If they don't, we'll beat them. It went viral. Everybody was talking about it. It was one of the greatest, you know, uh, comments on free agency in in baseball. It was fantastic. And Casey Myes had it printed on his shirt. So they want to, they they want to be a winning baseball team. They want to make the playoffs. They want to contend. They want to be in the mix. So I just look at what this offseason is, where they're at. Are they really going to be are they really going to be players here? Are they going to be serious? Are they, are they going to go out and get a bat? Are they going to go out and get a pitcher? You want Carlos Correa here? You know, Jason, I know you're dialed into the Tigers, too. Um, yeah. This was this was a hot team coming out of the All-Star break. This was a hot team in the second half of the season. Yeah. Won a lot of baseball games, but they got a lot of questions going into into the offseason here. I'd love to know what you want to do. What, what do you want to see this team do?
1: Well, I'd love to see Carlos Correa here because I definitely think there's a lot of guys on this team that we knew were not going to be here going forward and AJ Hinch has just worked his magic with it cuz in, back in April they were they were talking, you know, oh, this team could possibly uh vie for uh, one of the worst losing records in baseball history. They started 8 and 24 and then they all of a sudden they go to Boston and they compete in that series and and from, you know, here on they have a, a winning record. Um so I would def I'm excited if they can bring some free agents here with this manager, after what he's just done with not a lot, I mean, they're starting guys like Willie Peralta, right. uh, you know, guys like Derek Holland, <clears throat> excuse me, that have been in in starting rotations before that shouldn't even be in baseball now, and then you've got the prospects that that are going to be coming up, you know, uh, in the not too distant future too. So that's exciting. But I'd love to I'd love to see him add like a Carlos Correa, a guy that can definitely be a, a, a locker room leader, probably you know, a guy uh, that hinges is familiar with and um I
0: say yeah let's go for it. Well I'm gonna be interested to see uh what this off season brings because I truthfully I don't know what I like want I I, I don't know that Carlos Correa is the guy. I, I think that you can spend some of that money uh in a couple of different spots uh and still get a lot of production out of out of not only that out out of that position at that shortstop position but I think that you can you can kind of stretch those dollars even a little further.
1: And I agree with that too because um, with and we learned I learned a lot in baseball this year as many have that starting pitcher is starting pitching is getting so so extremely valuable going forward because a lot of these guys are getting hurt they're limiting guys it takes a lot to get through mm-hmm. a 162 game season now.
0: Yep, yep. No, I, I, I to me the, the the not I mean look. Obviously, your starting rotation is important, but I think even uh, your bullpens are 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 even more valuable now than they have been because you're right, limiting guys pitch counts, especially late in the season if you're you know contending for a playoff spot. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, your your bullpen is more important now maybe than ever. So uh, again, I, would I love to see Carlos here? Yeah, I would. I think that would that would that's kind of like a a a shot of adrenaline to this franchise a shot of adrenaline to this organization and these fans that really haven't had a whole lot to 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 you know cheer about go and see up until this year so i think you know i am i'm interested I'm, i'm not gonna you know knock the idea of carlos correa coming here but they have a lot of they have a lot of needs that i think that they could address in free agency pair that with some young guys coming up and then and then AJ Hinch and the magic that he's been able to, you know, the, the the wand that he's been able to to wave over this organization this year, I find it incredible. I think he's the guy for the job, I think he's the guy for the long haul. And so now I'm just I now I wanna now I want to see what this offseason's like after AJ Hinch being here and and where this organization wants to go. So look, we'll 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 see how it goes, but I'm interested. Yeah, I mean the 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 antennas are peaked. Uh, all right, coming up on the other side, we'll do some NFL scores, and we'll talk about the Ryder Cup. Uh, Ryder Cup has ended, uh, or at least all but ended. Uh, the USA ran away with it, ran away with it. Uh, it was quite a performance by the red, white, and blue. And uh, Rory McIlroy gave a almost a heart-wrenching interview uh, after his singles match today. We'll talk about that. Coming up as well. Chris Renwick here on Sports Rep on WJR. Don't go anywhere. All right, I want to get you caught up on a couple of scores around the NFL because it's a big day in the NFL. Week three. uh, Broncos on top of the – you know how difficult it is to, to blank a team in the NFL? Broncos on top of the Jets, 23 to zip with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. I mean, yikes. Raiders looking to go 3-0. They're on top of the Dolphins 25-17 uh, with just under 6 to go in the fourth quarter there. And then how about this? Let's talk about this. Uh, you got the Bucks traveling across the country. They're in Southern California to take on the Rams and uh, Matthew Stafford. Listen to these lines, all right? We still have – we're in the third quarter there. Rams on top of the Bucks, 31-17. Listen to these lines. Uh, Are these some good quarterbacks or what? Matthew Stafford, 22 for 33 for 303 yards and four touchdowns. He's got a passer rating of 135. Tom Brady, 28 for 38, 322. He's got a passer rating of just under 100. He has 30 touchdowns. I mean... (laughs) Uh, Jason, wouldn't it be nice to get a quarterback like Matt Stafford? Wouldn't that be nice to have a guy like that in Detroit? I'll tell you. That would be nice. Yeah, it sure would. What do we got to do to have somebody like that here? We don't ever have anybody like that here.
1: You got to get the number one pick. I think they
0: had that not too long ago. (laughs) Yikes. Uh, Meanwhile, Deshaun Jackson, three catches for 120 yards and a score. Meanwhile uh Vikings hosting the Seahawks they're on top of Seattle 27-17 uh starting the fourth quarter there well they're about uh, 12 minutes or 12 uh, minutes left in that one we got a couple of finals Bills all over the Washington football team 43-21 uh the round spoil uh it, what was really uh turned out to be the maiden voyage uh for Justin Fields uh the Browns win it twenty-six to six at home against Chicago. Uh we told you about the, the the woe is me and the Lions lost to the Ravens. They lose it 19-17. Titans on top of the Colts 25 to 16. Chargers over the Chiefs. How about the Chiefs one and two to start the year? One and one at home. Chargers are two and one. They beat the Chiefs 30 to 24 uh at Arrowhead. That's an impressive win uh with uh, uh that team being led by Justin Herbert 281 yards through the air and four touchdowns. The Saints beat the Patriots 28 to 13. The Falcons on top of the Giants who are now uh, winless uh through their first three games. Atlanta wins that one 17 to 14. The Bengals beat the Steelers uh uh in uh Pittsburgh 24 to 10 uh and Joe Burrow had himself a game. Uh, as did his former teammate at LSU, uh, Jamar Chase, who had four catches, six five yards, two touchdowns. Joe Burrow, one hundred and seventy two yards through the air, three touchdowns. Much better line than he had last week. Cardinals on top of the Jags, thirty one to nineteen. And the night game tonight, uh, the Packers and Forty Nine ers. That one uh, kicking off at eight twenty. From San Francisco. All right. Uh, one of my It's one of my favorite times of year, uh, quite frankly, because you're going to start getting into playoff baseball. You're getting into the last stretch of the regular season. There were teams trying to make the postseason. Great. NFL is starting. Fantastic. We're in full swing. And you've got the Ryder Cup now. And look, this was a bloodbath. Team Europe had won this event. Nine of the last 12 events happens every four years. And this was uh, a course uh, there along the shores of um, uh, Lake Michigan, Whistling Straits. That is a beauty of a course. It looks like a nightmare for somebody like me, but it, it looks like a fantastic course. And, uh, when you look at the job that Steve Stricker has done, compiling this team, uh, you got to tip your hat. Because you had, obviously you had the Colin Morikawas and, and and Patrick Cantley who really turned it on uh, as the week progressed. But somebody like a captain's pick in Scotty Sheffler, who one of six Ryder Cup newcomers for this American team. Took down the number one player in the world, Ho and John Rom. I mean, this was, uh, uh, and I I haven't seen the final numbers. So let me let me find that for you. Um, this was a a complete domination from start to finish, uh, where it, Team USA was. I mean, they just never they never let go. They were on top. From the get go, they won it nineteen to nine, and you got foursomes, you got basketball. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the the the, the tournament on Sunday, you go one v one point for point. It's up in the air. Anything can happen. And at one point of all the matches that were going on, I think the Europeans were leading one match. I mean, it was incredible. And this is something that has turned into uh a rivalry obviously oh you know you look at these guys uh, you know on the tour every week and it's they're playing for themselves they're playing to win a tournament playing against everybody well in this case you you're playing with the team you're playing with team Europe or team USA and and this means something to these guys especially team Europe they've, they've dominated this uh over the last number of years but this is the second time the U.S. has won it in the last three events, and this was a a really a, a runaway event for Team USA. And Rory McIlroy did a uh, a, a post match uh, or post round interview with uh, the Golf Channel, and actually he beat Xander Schauffele today, so he scored one of the only uh, points that Team Europe was able to uh, to put on the board today um but he said look uh this is a this is an interest this is a, an important week for team europe being part of the team he said i love my teammates so much and i should have done more for them this week i'm glad i put a point on the board for europe today uh but i just can't wait to get another shot at this i mean he was visibly emotional in tears on television he said it's the it, by far the best experience in golf and i hope boys and girls watching this today will asp- will aspire to play in this event, or the Solheim Cup, which is the LPGA's version uh, of the Ryder Cup. Team USA versus uh, Team Europe. That was held at Inverness Club this year in Toledo, which is a beautiful course. Because there's nothing better part of being a team, especially with the bond that we have in Europe. No matter what happens after this, I'm proud of every one of our players this week. I'm proud of our captain, our vice captains. I just wish we could have done a little more for the team. It's been a tough week. So you, you when you get beat the way they did 19 to 9 uh that can be a tough pill to swallow. Got the President's Cup coming up in a couple of years, Ryder Cup comes up 4 years and it'll head back to Europe. But it's one of the great it's one of the great events in sports. It's certainly uh, in my mind maybe outside the Masters it, it's the best golf has to offer. It's competitive, it's fun, the crowds are raucous. Uh it, it's just a wonderful, wonderful event. So Team USA gets it done for the second time in three years, but uh Team Europe has owned that. They've won it nine of the last twelve events. Obviously a very tough pill to swallow for Team Europe, but a lot of those guys we, you know, we cheer for every week. You know, Rory McElroy is a heck of a player. Uh, and so uh, it's a it's an interesting vibe that they've created, uh, and it's a good one. All right, that's gonna do it for us today. We will see you uh, again here, same time next week, Saturday night, six to seven, right here on WJR. Have yourself a wonderful night, and we'll talk to you then.